had some great time at camp this past week, and our teenagers, we had 29 teenagers that went, we had four of our adults that went to supervise them, but they had a blast up at Family Lake, which is just outside of Roscommon. All of our teenagers that went, will you all stand, stand up, let's, let's show up here, we got some over here, out there, good, good, you guys may be seated, thank you. Thank you, Jonah and the leadership team did a great job. Many kids made decisions for Christ. And um, thank you. So many of you gave and support them financially. Thank you for being a part of their uh, camp week. And uh, what a great, great time. Tonight, parents, we have a, for you, they're having a parent night. And they're going to share testimony tonight. They're going to have food tonight. So all parents of every teenager, whether you Teenager win or not, you know, come tonight at uh, 5.30 right across the street at the corner of Romeo Plank and 24 Mile. And so, so good to be back. I have been out of the pulpit. I call it the pulpit, all right? I've been off the stage for the last couple of weeks. And um, Jonah preached for me a couple of weeks ago. Did a great job. Danny DeVerna, he preached for me last Sunday. Did a fantastic job. Thank you guys for filling in. And I, I was here last Sunday, and I just had gotten back from my little vacation, and it was just a pleasure to sit and listen to the veteran. I called Danny the veteran, all right? And he did a fantastic job. And uh, it's good to be back. It's good to be here. And uh, good to see a lot of faces here. Uh, Danny, in fact, Danny and Tammy had a whole group of people here, and they got family from out of town. And uh, good to see you guys right there. And uh, I had to celebrate. And they had a party. And Danny talked about the party. And they had a big party last, uh, this weekend. Uh, we've been praying for Tammy's mom. And uh, Tammy's mom, Gloria, she's 91 years old. She's in the hospice. And uh, she's, um, you know, she's ready to go. I mean, I prayed with her on Monday. And she, she's talking about Jesus. She can't wait to see Jesus. She's ready to go, but she was hoping to make it to the party. And she, she made it through the week and uh, had the time with the family, all the family come in. And, um, and I'm, I'm so thankful. I've been praying for that all week for you guys, for, for you to be able to see, um, you know, Gloria one last time. And, uh, and the thing about Gloria, if you don't know her, Gloria loves to talk about Jesus. She loves to tell people about Jesus. She loves to share who Jesus is. That's going to be her legacy. It's about how many people she's shared Jesus with. And uh, today we're starting a brand new series called Gone Fishing. Gone Fishing. Now, Danny kind of jealous because this is more his style of preaching right here. I'm going to be talking about fishing. If you know Danny, Danny loves to fish. But what I'm going to talk about today is not so much getting out on the lake and fish. I'm going to be talking about fishing for Jesus. Fishing for Jesus. In Mark chapter 1, in verse number 16, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, this is early in Jesus' ministry. Jesus had not been public yet. People, people haven't quite seen him yet. He, He's just barely scratching the surface of the ministry right here. He's walking beside the, the lake. He saw Simon, this is Simon Peter, and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And Jesus shouted out to them. He said, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people to come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Fishers of men. And at once, the Bible says, at once they left their net and they followed Jesus. In verse 19 and verse 20, we, we, we don't see it here, but in verse 19 and 20, Jesus did walking along, and he runs into two other brothers named John and James, James and John. 
And they too were fishermen. And Jesus did the same thing. He said, hey guys, come follow me. And I will make you to become fishers of men. And James and John did likewise. They dropped their nets and they followed him. Jesus locked eyes with a couple of first century fishermen. And he said, I will make you fishers of men if you will come follow me. And by the way, this was not their first encounter with Jesus. In fact, Jesus had ran into these guys two months previous. He probably had a conversation, so they met Jesus. But at this point, Jesus was calling them to take a step to discipleship. And as I study this story, and as I think about the fishermen of Simon Peter and Andrew and James and John, in fact, there were approximately, some scholars think, that there were seven men, seven disciples out of Jesus' twelve, that were fishermen. That's what they did. Seven out of the twelve. And I was thinking, why would Jesus tap a bunch of fanatical fishermen on the shoulder to be in his inner circle? Now, I mean, Jesus could have tapped the shoulders of anybody. I mean, he could have, he could have tapped the shoulder of a Pharisee or a tax collector. He could have he could have tapped a shoulder of someone that was attending the Jerusalem seminary. You know, he could have found somebody. But he found some uneducated men that all they knew about life was fishing. That was not their hobby. That was their way of living. And he tapped on their shoulder. And I wonder why did he pick disciples who were fishermen? It's because fishermen are fascinating people. I was expecting to hear Danny say amen. <laughs> uh, I'll do that again. Because fishermen are fascinating people. Poor Danny, he really missed it here. I'm, I'm giving you a chance here to say amen. All right, you've got your chance. Here's why. Let me give you four little things if you're taking notes. Fishermen are optimistic. They're optimistic people. You rarely meet a fisherman who's pessimistic. You know, you, you always meet fishermen that are the most optimistic people in the world. They think that today is the day that they're going to catch the big one. Today, I mean, they, they think today is it. Today, they're going to, they're going to catch the mother load. And so they believe that. Every day, every time they cast the line, they believe it, that there is going to be the line that's going to bring in the amazing wall hanger. They're optimistic. They're fish in rain. They're fish when it's sunny. They're fish when it's hot. They're fish when it's cold. You know, about two months ago, we talked about Danny here, you know, and, and Danny took me and my pastor from Florida, and he was up here, if you remember, a couple months ago. And, um, and my pastor from Florida loved to fish, all right? He's a fisherman. And so, I, you know, one of the ways to get him up here and say, hey, pastor, you come up here, and uh, I'll get you on the lake. And that's always a, a good deal right there for him. And so I called Danny and said, Danny, we're going to take him out. You know, we go out. And, um, and the fishing was bad that day. I mean, I'm, I'm not a fisherman. I mean... After about 30 minutes of not catching anything, then I'm ready to go home. But not these guys. Danny and Pastor said, oh, no, we got, you know, my pastor said, we got to keep going. We got to move over here. We got to move over there. I mean, we bounced all over Lake St. Clair, and we caught maybe, you know, two little fish. And uh, it was just a depressing day after it had been out there for about four hours. You know, that's not, I'm not optimistic, but these guys, oh, man, and they were bombed, uh, you know, it was time to go. You know, oh, man, we, we're missing it. We should be out here for a little bit longer. The big one is right around the corner. If you know Christ personally, Jesus commands you, he commands me to become fishers of men. Notice that the Bible does not say that we're to be 
pictures of men. Jesus said, I will make you pictures of men, not catchers of men. Here's the cool deal. Our part as human beings is simply to fish. We're to simply cast the line. It's Christ's part to bring the fish to the hook. It's Christ's part to do the catching. And so we should have this huge amount of optimism. Why? Because look who we have out there drawing the fish to the hook that we're casting out. We have Jesus on our side. We have him working and nudging people to his salvation, but we have to do our part. If we do our part, then God can do his part. We fish. Jesus catch. That's our job. We should be optimistic as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world that don't know Jesus. Fishermen are patient. That's number two. They're optimistic. They're patient. They have the ability to just sit on the bank of a river or to sit in that boat or on that dock and wait and wait and wait some more. They're patient. They say to themselves, man, I know they're here. I just know it. I mean, I'm, just, I'm not leaving. I know they're here. And what's the funniest, fishermen have a measure of faith. They rarely see the fish they catch, even though they have those little electronics, you know, and they can kind of bleep, bleep, you know, the little blips on the screen. But they can't actually see the fins and the scales. But still, they say, you know what? They're there. I know it. They're there. We're just going to keep dropping the line. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. They're patient. And as fishers of men and women, as fishers of men, you and I, we must be patient. I know some of you right now, you're praying for someone that doesn't know Jesus. Might be a brother, might be a sister, might be a family member, might be a friend that you've been working with, a co-worker, someone that you know that does not know Jesus. And you've been praying, you've been patient. And every now and then you invite them to church. Every now and then you talk about Jesus, you try to talk about God, and you're looking for those opportunities. And you don't want to push them away. You try to be patient and just try to work it. You don't want to be, I always say, it's not your role to be the Holy Spirit. God's role. It's the Holy Spirit's role to do that. So we're not supposed to twist arms. That's not what we're called to do. But we're to constantly be patient and to look for those opportunities to share God's faith, to share God's story, to invite them to church. We're to pray. And we're to pray. We're to remain optimistic. We're to remain patient. God is working. He's doing the catching. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. It does not want anyone to be destroyed, but I want everyone to come to repent to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. God is working. He's working. Whether you realize it or not, God is at work. He's doing the catching. All we have to do is fish. We have to cast the line, drop the net. We have to share the gospel, the good news. Fishermen are intentional. That's number three. They're intentional. If you're intentional... What do you do? Well, if you fish, you go where the fish is. You go where the fish are. And to go where the fish are, you have to think like a fish. You have to think. You've got to get on your level. You've got to be willing to get a little bit slimy. You've got to be willing to put the, the hook, the little worm, and, and slice it on the little hook. You gotta be willing to, when you bring it in, you gotta be willing to get dirty, get a little bit muddy. You gotta be willing to get a little bit messy to catch the fish. And you know what's funny? You talk to a bunch of Christians, and they will understand, and they will tell you that they understand Mark chapter 1, verse 17, and what it means to be a picture of man. They understand that. They understand when Jesus 
called out to the disciples to follow him. However, as much as we understand Mark 1.17, rarely will they get out and get dirty, or get messy, think like a fish, go where the fish are, actually make a cast, actually drop the net. I mean, it's human nature, isn't it? It's human nature to sit by the fire, to get some hot coffee, maybe cook some spores, and have a little conversation. We could talk about fishing. Maybe read a, read a fishing magazine, watch a fishing video, instead of actually fishing. We, we could talk about it. We could talk about it. We could talk about it. And we're really good at talking about it. But God wants us to get out there. We want to cast the line. It's much easier for me to do that, by the way. It's much easier for me to study the meaning, the Greek meaning behind the fishing terms of the Bible. You know, I can study what that is and what that means in the Bible. It's very easy to break it down. We're going to have discipleship. We're going to talk about it. That's easy. And here's the reality of so many Christians, so many churches, they love to talk about it. But they rarely do something about it. And that's why you see so many churches closing their doors. Because they're not talking about it. They're not doing anything about it. They're not fishing for men. They're not fishing for women. I often say that the church that, that doesn't evangelize, and that's another word for sharing your faith, the church that doesn't evangelize will fossilize. They will eventually die. If we start having a mentality of us for and no more, the holy huddle, you know, we're content with our own little group. You know, we've got the message of hope, but, you know, let's just keep it tight. Let's keep it here. Let's not cast the news. Let's, let's talk about fishing. Let's study fishing. Let's read about what it means, but let's not get out there and drop a line. Let's not get out there and be friends of sinners and get messy like Jesus did. Let's not get out there because maybe we'll hear some profanity. <gasps> maybe we'll see someone doing something they shouldn't do. Oh, no. But they don't know Jesus. And if they don't know Jesus, then why do we put them to the standard of a Christian? Why do we try to measure them to the standard of Christ living? If they don't know Jesus, what do you expect? But as a fisherman, you're willing to get dirty. You're intentional. I'm not saying you compromise what you believe and compromise on how you should live. But you should be willing to get down at the level and the love on you. I would challenge people to, hey, you know, make sure that your friends with someone in your circle of friends that don't know Jesus. But oftentimes we like to retreat to our Christian friends, and, and as much as I love Christian friends, and it's great, but we should have someone in our circle that don't know Jesus. And, and, and they might... They might say a, a party word. And you say, you know what, I'm okay. They don't know Jesus. And I'm willing to sit there and to love on them and have a conversation instead of being judgmental and blow them off. Now they, they, might, they might believe differently about gender issues. Now we know what we believe. But the world does not live according to the Word of God. And sometimes, we might have to get messy. You might have to get messy to love on somebody that's so contrary to the Word of God. But here's what I love. See, Jesus Christ, while we were yet sinners, He came. He embraced the mess. He embraced you and me. 
Because at one time, we were without Jesus. But at one time, we were without Christ. And he didn't look down in the world and say, Oh, man, I can't touch that world. I can't do anything with it. No, he came. He didn't have to, but he did. Why were sinners? Christ died for us. And that's been his number one plan. His number one agenda was to die on that cross for our sins, to embrace the mess and to come back from the grave. The Bible says in Luke 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man, this is Jesus talking. He's, he's declared why he's here. He said the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. I have one purpose. And my purpose is to go out and get messy. To get in the level with people. To get on their level. And to share the good news that I'm bringing. The good news of hope. The good news of eternal life. I've got the message. And every time you show up at worship service on a Sunday, let me tell you what we're doing. I don't care if we're singing. I don't even care if it's an announcement. Everything we do, we're casting a line. We're casting a line. We're, we're, we're doing a community night. The free community night coming up. And we're not doing this just for us four no more. We're doing this for the fellowship. Because I think that's important. The Bible talks about fellowship of believers. But we're also doing it to reach people that don't know Jesus, that don't know who we are, and invite them to start building relationships, to start rubbing shoulders with people that don't know Jesus. And instead of at the, at the community night looking at people like, who are you? I don't want to challenge us to look around and say, you know what? Someone's here, and they're hurting. They've got a fake smile. They've got their mask on. But deep behind the curtains of their life, there's something going. And you know what? I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. I'm going to be intentional because we've created an opportunity. And you go and just love on somebody. You go and just introduce yourself. Say, hey, I'm, I'm so-and-so. I'm, I attend the church. Tell me, you know, what's your name? How you hear about it? You don't have to get to know the entire history. That'll be a little awkward, you know, to do that right there, all right? But, you know, start the bridge of conversation. You know how to do this. You know how to do this. Casting the line. Fishing for men. Here's the fourth thing about fishermen. They're persistent. They're persistent. They don't give up. They stay right at it. They go after them over and over and over again. They know where the big one lives. So they keep going back to that same fishing hole. And they're not going to quit until they get it. They're going to keep working it. And I'm here to say this. Be persistent. Don't quit reaching your friends, your family members for Jesus. And so I've invited them to church before. That's, by the way, one of our, part of our strategy is we create different invite cards so that you could go back to the same fishing hole and invite someone with a different set of cards and say, hey, by the way, Pastor Scott's doing a series on, on the family. Oh, by the way, we got this event coming up. Or oh, we got this coming on. And so you can keep going back. You know, some churches, they just have one invite card. And so it's kind of awkward to keep going back to the same person with the same invite card. So we mix it up. So that you can go back and be persistent. And they didn't come when you invited them to that one event. They didn't come when you invited them to the sermon series. They didn't come when you invited them to Easter. But one of these days, one of these days, they're going to be like, all right, I got to get this guy off my back. I'm going to show up. And I'm going to make it. They've invited me about seven or eight times, which, by the way, it's about the average time it takes for someone to get into the head about seven times. And so be persistent. Don't quit. Don't quit. Jesus is calling you and me to be fishermen for him. Okay, Jesus said, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. And if Jesus said, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Then here's the question I want to ask you. And if you want to take notes, there you go. 
If I'm not fishing, am I really following Jesus? Okay, that's a big question right there. If I'm not fishing, am I really following Jesus? Because Jesus says if you follow, you fish. If you fish, you follow. Y'all follow what I'm talking about you? Good. If you fish, you follow. You follow your fish. If I'm not fishing, am I really following Jesus? And I believe that every one of us here are called to reach the people in our lives with the love of Jesus. We're to be fishermen with the message of hope. All of us are called to fish. We're all called to follow Jesus by fishing for people. But why do we hesitate? Why, why, are we, why do we hold back? Four quick reasons, four, four excuses if you're taking notes. We're afraid. Number one, we're afraid. We're scared. We, we're afraid of what might happen. <coughs> I remember the first time I went out visitation. Call visitation. You go door to door. All right? I was a teenager. Our church, you know, uh, gather up the teenagers. We put them on a the bus. And the youth pastor said, okay, guys, you're going to go door to door. All right, you got your Bible? And I said, I got my Bible. All right, and, and you got a, a little gospel literature. They call it a track, all right? And uh, I put it in my Bible, and, uh, and I'm scared to death, all right? I said, Scott, you're going to go with so-and-so. He's done this before. I said, okay. And uh, I watched him do it a couple of times, and uh, he does it okay, and he goes through the thing and talks to people, and and um, most of the time, the people say, I'm not interested, or, no, thank you for the information, you know, whatever, and that's fine. And, um, and then the guy looked at me and said, all right, Scott, your turn. You get the next house. I said, really? Yeah. Now, they told me, the youth pastor said, every time you come to a house, you should pray. And I thought, that's a good practice. Every time you come to a house, just pray real quick. A little popcorn prayer, a real quick prayer. Dear God, you know, uh, Please give me the word to say. You know, help me to, you know, speak with boldness. Help me you know, to have clarity of the message. You know, they t- teach you that. I'm going up there and I'm praying, dear God, please meet no one home. <laughs> please. No one home, please. I, I don't want anyone to be home. I, knock, knock, knock. Oh, he didn't answer that prayer. He said, why do you pray that? Because I was scared. Uh, it's intimidating to share your faith. All right, let's be honest. It's intimidating. But I found out this, that the more you do it, the more you get boldness. The more you're like, you know what, I can do this. That's a conversation. All right? And so a lot of times we don't do it because we're scared. We've never done it before. We've never had the conversation about Jesus. And to the, the ask them, hey, we let them know how you can become a believer. Because you can do that. You don't have to bring them to church to know Jesus. You can do that at the workplace. You can do that on your street. You can do that, kids, in your schools. You can do it. And by the way, next Sunday, we're going to talk about the how-tos. We're going to give you some practical ways on how to do it because we've got technology that can give you this. And we're going to help you tell your story. That's next Sunday, but oftentimes we're afraid. Number two, uh, Another excuse is we don't feel qualified. How many of you would say sometimes you just feel a little bit unqualified? Yeah, I'm, I'm there. My hand's up. I feel sometimes I'm un- unqualified. What if they ask me a question? What if I don't know the answer? You know, what if I get in a place that I can't fully explain the gospel? And so sometimes we're afraid. Sometimes we don't feel qualified. Number three, we don't want to be pushy. We don't want to be pushy. I'm pretty sure that most of us here know of, a, know of someone that's a pushy person. They're pushy. You know, they're in your face. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. You know, and, they, and every time you see them, you need Jesus. So, man, I don't want to be that kind of a person, and I'm not saying be that kind of a person. You know, and, you know don't be so pushy. You don't have to be pushy. But be patient. Look for those great opportunities. And, and by the way, when you pray and ask God for wisdom and for the Holy Spirit prompting, He will reveal those opportunities without you having to be pushy. Number four, 
and this is probably the saddest one, is that sometimes we're complacent. We're complacent. We, don't, we simply don't care that much. It's not on the forefront of our mind. We don't think about it. You know, our life is okay. I mean, we got Jesus. We're going to heaven. We just don't really care about anybody else. And I pray that we put behind these excuses that we make. And we start fishing for people. Fishing for people. I want to give you two final thoughts here. Two closing thoughts. God is not looking for your ability. But he's looking for your availability. That's number one. God is not looking for your ability, but your availability. You just want to be available for him. You say, God, I don't know all the answers. I don't know everything, and I'm scared. See, God's not asking you for your ability. He's not asking you to be like Billy Graham. He's not asking you to be like a pastor or a missionary. He just wants you to be you. God created you to be you. And believe it or not, you have a faith story. If you know Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior, you, my friend, have a faith story. And, and, and guess who's the best person to tell that story? It's you. The story of faith, that you, how you met Jesus Christ, you're the best person to share how Christ, what he did to your life. You have that opportunity. And so he just wants you to be available. Don't worry about ability. Sometimes we say, oh man, you know, what if I fail? But see, God doesn't, God doesn't care. God just wants you to be faithful. He wants to be available. You see, when we don't fish, when we don't share the gospel, when, we're, when it's not on our mind on a regular basis, do you realize that's a sin? We're called to do this. We've got the message of hope. You receive Christ. You've got the message of hope to share to a lost and dying world. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about the rich man and Lazarus. A rich man and Lazarus, rich man had everything. You know, he was filthy rich. Lazarus was a poor man who ate the crumbs off the, off, the, off the rich man's table. Of course, they died. They both died. The Bible said that the rich man was in hell because he lived his life without Jesus. Whereas Lazarus, who was a believer, who had a relationship with Jesus, was in heaven. And Lazarus was crying out. To Abraham, you could see them from a distance. This was a story that Jesus told him. So you could see them from a distance. There was a big separation between Abraham and, and, the, and Lazarus and the rich man. There was a big separation. The rich man said, please give me some water. It is hot. It is torturous here. I'm tormenting. But then he said something to Abraham. He said, Abraham, send Lazarus back. So that he could tell people, my family, my friends, about this place. Uh, and we have a responsibility. Before Almighty God, we have a responsibility to share this message of hope for eternal life. That's our responsibility. James 4 verse 17. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, to sin for them. We are called to fish. We are called to tell. We are called to obey God. Our job is to be obedient. It's God's job to bring the outcome. We fish, he catch. God is not looking for your ability, but your availability. He says, God, you're making some great point here. You're making some excellent, excellent point. And uh, I'll I tell you what I'm going to do, Scott, because it's so good, I'm, I'm going to pray about I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to pray about fishing. I'm going to be praying about serving. And I'm going to hear to say this. God doesn't want you to pray about this. God wants you to start obeying. He just wants you to start doing. This is not something we pray about. You know, God, should I do this? God wants you to do this. You should tell your faith. If I'm not fishing, am I really following? Because if I follow Jesus, then I'm going to fish. And here's the last point. God does not call the qualified he qualifies the call. If you're sitting out there and you're like, man, I just don't feel like I'm equipped. I don't feel like I'm good enough. I don't feel like I have all the answers. I don't feel like I'm qualified. You see, God does not look for the qualified. That's why he reads fishermen. In the eyes of everybody in the world back then, fishermen were the least 
qualified people to be in the inner circle of Jesus' ministry. And those guys went on and helped establish the church. These uneducated guys were so, in the world's eyes, unqualified. But God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And all you have to do is just open the Bible to see that God uses crazy people, crazy people, to do his work. Use the crazy people. And he said, man, God, I'm not talented. I'm not gifted. And if you're saying that, then I'm, I'm saying this. I don't think you've really read the Bible. Because the Bible is full of misfit people that God uses to accomplish his mission. And Noah was a drunk. Abraham was way too old to be used by God. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Joseph was abused. Gideon was afraid. Moses, he had a stuttering problem. He talked funny like me. Moses. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. David had multiple affairs and he covered up a murder. Jeremiah was too young. Jonah ran from God. Martha, she worried about everything. Peter denied Christ. The disciples, they fell asleep while praying. And don't act like you've never done that before. Come on. <laughs> Zacchaeus, he was too small. Paul was too religious. And Lazarus, oh come on, Lazarus, he was dead. <laughs> and if God can use dead people, and God can use you. We're called to obey. He wants to use you in your schools, in your neighborhood, in your family, in your golf clubhouse, in the stores that you frequent. He can use you wherever you are. God wants to use you. He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. God. God died to use you. He laid down his life so that you could share the message of hope. The message of hope. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 7. We now have this light shining in our hearts. What's that light talking about? He's talking about the gospel. He's talking about the message of hope. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars. We're broken, misfit people containing the great treasure, the treasure of the gospel. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. It is God that can use you. It is God that wants to use you. All he wants you to do is become available. Become available. Jesus says, if you follow me, you're going to be fishing for me. If I'm not fishing, am I really following Jesus? And today, if you want to start fishing, it all begins with an available spirit and saying, I will be obedient, even if I fail. I'm not called to be successful. I'm called to be faithful. God calls you to be an ambassador. You're the highest ranking diplomat sent from heaven to earth to represent Christ. We are to carry the good news of your faith. On Friday morning, I received a phone call that Tom Robinson passed away. Tom Robinson had been coming to our church for about a year and a half, 75 years old. He had a major surgery back in January, and, and uh, it was a successful surgery. But... Um, the past week, they've had some complications. And, um, and to my shock, you know, I, the phone call on Friday was not expecting. Tom had gone home from here to Jesus. He changed the address. Got a new address. And I began to think about Tom, and I think about his last year and a half with us. If you know anything about Tom, he loved to tell stories. 
the stories are fascinating. You know, you got stories about how you went to Mexico and got crazy stories all over the place. But the most important thing about time is that there was a time here where he gave his life to Jesus Christ. Didn't know him before? Actually lived across the street for the past eight years of late point. Always saw the sign, always saw what was going on, and said, you know what? He looked at his wife one day and said, let's go to church. Wife said, oh, okay, that's a new one. And they came. And he's in heaven. Because I see fishermen all over the room. Loving on Tom. Willing to get on his level. To get where he's at. I want our band to come up here. Get, we're going to worship in just a minute. I wonder how many of us here have been fishing. I wonder how many of you here have been sharing your story. Yesterday afternoon, I had a counseling appointment with a couple in my office. And the, and the lady, she was a believer, but the man was. Perhaps he'd never been in church. Come here a couple of times. He said, man, I like what church does. I mean, man, it's cool. I like church. I don't know anything about church, though. I was doing marriage counseling. I was doing stuff with them. And, and finally, at the end of the conversation, I said, you know what? None of the stuff that we talk about matters. Unless you know Jesus. And I look at him in the eye and said, Would you like me to tell you about my Jesus? 33 year old man said, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me. And that's a fisherman. He's a hunter. You know, he, he's macho man. You know, you know, big old guy. And the doctor shared a story about Jesus and what he did. I asked the question I said, Would you like to receive Jesus into your life? Looked at his wife to be. She looked at me and said, Yeah, I think I want to. I said, All right, let's pray. Looked at me and said, Pray, what's that? Sometimes we assume people know what that is. Like, pray? I, I, I don't know what, what, what would, I, how we do this. I said, we're just, I'll help you. I'll pray. In just a minute, I'll start praying some words. And you just pray in the quiet of your heart. You don't have to pray out loud. If you want to, you can pray out loud. But God is listening into the silence of your heart. And I started praying. I said, Amen. I look up. 33-year-old man. Weeping. Coming to know Jesus. He said, man, I'm so, I'm so happy. I, 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 wow. Challenge you here today. There's somebody I know. There's somebody that's around you. They're just waiting on you to open your mouth and then start fishing. Don't have to be pushy. Don't have to twist your arms. But they're waiting. And if you get stumped, hey, next week we're going to talk about this a little bit more. We're going to give you some practical things here next week. You know, oftentimes if you don't know how to share the gospel, try to get them to come to church. That's, one, that's a small step. But it shouldn't just be my job to share the gospel. God has called all of us to be pictures of men. In just a minute, we're going to sing a song. And in the middle of this song, we're going to have a time of a prayer out loud with all of us. Prayers on your handout notes. It's a prayer for courage. It's a prayer for boldness. It's a prayer for God, use me. Use me. Even though I feel unqualified, use me. And I got this prayer because this is the prayer I want you to, you know, cut it out, put it in your refrigerator, or put it in your Bible. 
And this is the point, because we can't be fishermen on our own flesh. We need God. We need Him to help us. We need His power to do this. So we're going to do this prayer in the middle of the song. So let's all stand. Let's worship God as we sing, I surrender. And be ready for that prayer somewhere in the middle of this song. What if they mock me? 
What if they reject me? Give me all that I need to share your love with others. Help me to be available and faithful to do my part. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.